0: Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. Is that clap, the preview of the service right there? Is that, is that what you're bringing to the 1045 right there? All right, hold on, no, no, hold on, hold on. Just real quick, because I'll give you a chance to like really do it good. Because that was um, typical church—like we're going to be polite, but we're not really into it. So, um, yesterday was incredible. We had um, somewhere around four thousand plus people here, which is incredible. And what I love is a lot of you that know that it's bigger than just hanging out, um, and that's fun to do. And you get to meet a lot of people, and um, that's just a really cool thing. But you also understand. This is a way for us to tangibly love our community and be for our community. And our community, I think, uh, really enjoyed yesterday. And there was obviously lots of new people here. And so all of you that realize that you were there, not because you love handing out candy um, out of your trunk that's way overly priced, but you love people and you're down to connect with them and to love on them and sacrifice. And our whole team that put that together, led by Lisa Curcio, give a hand to all of those people like like you're legitimately celebrating them for what they did yesterday Would you guys, uh, I know we already prayed, but I just need to roll into one more prayer. Can we do that? Would you just stand with me? Because I want to pray about what God is about to do over these next few minutes um, in this message. And my name is Bryant Lee, pastor here. If I didn't say that already, you don't know me. But I'm so glad you're with us today. And I'm especially glad, maybe it's been a while since you've entertained the church thing. You haven't been in an environment like this. This is a great Sunday to be here. So let me pray about what God wants to do in these next few minutes. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for this movement known as the local church. Lord, it's always a weighty thing to talk about it because you describe it as the bride of Christ. And when you're talking about somebody's bride, you need to measure your words. And so I pray that you would uh, give me the right words, that you would speak in a really powerful way for those of us who followed you, maybe for decades and those of you, we actually walked away from the church and made judgments about Jesus that maybe weren't even correct. And this would maybe be the moments where you'd begin to draw them to you and to see what you are actually about and what you're actually inviting them into. And so I just pray that you would accomplish your agenda right now and that you would do what we can't do. And that is, Lord, you would move on the basis of the power of the Holy Spirit to do something in lives that I cannot do with words. And so I'm asking for this. I'm believing this, and I'm expecting this. And I just pray that you would move through those on podcast, radio, and those physically um, at our campuses right now. We pray this in Jesus' incredible name. Amen. You guys can be seated. This is what we call Vision Sunday, and we do this at least once, usually twice a year. And here's a question that uh, I want to ask you. And I think this is a question that you should consider that we don't want to consider, because in the West we have this idea that we're going to Botox and Pilates our way out of dying. That you're going to nip it and tuck it enough that somehow you're just going to avoid death. Um, but you're not. You're going to die. Welcome to church. So like that's that's inevitable about all of us. And a really important question is: What do you want to be known for at the end? Like, if people were to line up or go by your casket and say things about you, like, what would you want them to say? And I know we don't like to think about that, but that is a clarifying and powerful question. And, and literally, what is your vision for your life? Like, what is the end in mind that you're living toward? But I think that's an important question corporately for us as a church. Like, what do we want to be known for? Uh, basically, what do we imagine about the future and what is our vision for the future if you're a part of this local gathering, if you ever become a part of this local gathering? Because it is a clarifying question. Here's what I would say. If you really understand vision, I think life is unlivable without vision. And I think because you've been created in the image of God, naturally, there is vision inside of you, whether you've tapped into it or not. But here's what I mean. Um, Solomon, the wisest man in the world other than his 700 mother-in-laws, said this in Ecclesiastes 3.11, Maybe you heard this verse. He has also set, what is it? Eternity in the human heart. Meaning there is this longing inside of every single human being that is for eternity. Meaning you were created a certain way in the Garden of Eden for universal flourishing and wholeness. And you're, you've been created to ultimately return to that kind of environment and that kind of existence. And in the meantime, there's this thing in your heart that's pulling you back toward that. Where every once in a while you go, it shouldn't be like this. Like my kids shouldn't have to walk through this. This shouldn't happen in my marriage. Kids shouldn't have to suffer from cancer. This shouldn't be going on in our world. They shouldn't have to walk through this betrayal. And all of us have been there and whether you blame it on God or not, there's this thing in your heart that longs for home to go, this is not all there is. And if you understand what Jesus has for you, no matter how bad things are right now, there is a vision for the future that can pull you through anything right now that, listen, God has a plan that's bigger than here and now and bigger than whatever is hitting the fan and bigger than whatever you're walking through in your life right now. In fact, scripture says this as well, same guy Solomon, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Or the message paraphrases it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves which may describe us or you. Like if you get to the place where there's no vision beyond where you're at, it's easy to go, what's the use in this marriage? It's easy to get to a place to go, I can't handle these kids anymore. It's easy to get to the place to go, I'm just surviving Monday through Friday or it's easy to get to the place where some of the stuff that you held onto more morally or ethically, you start to let go of, because it's like, I don't feel like anybody is noticing, including God, so why even bother? And there's no vision for the future and what God has up ahead for you. When there is no clarity about what God is doing and what God wants to do, people stumble all over themselves. There's no direction. And I think in our generation, the church can be just as guilty of that. Where with everything around us, we have grown cynical, With everything around us, we've grown to this place where we view a lot of what we do through a political lens rather than a faith lens. We've become, in some cases, really unappealing and unattractive when the church should be the most attractive force in any neighborhood, in any city, because we have lost our vision. And here's here's basically what vision is. Vision is a bridge to more that God has more, whether you experience it right here or right now, the message of the church is not everything's gonna work out great, that ultimately, even if it doesn't happen in this life, there is more that is up ahead. We are living for more than just right now. And and vision is that bridge to go, I'm gonna act, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna plan, I'm gonna lean in in such a way that it's a bridge to the more that God has for my life. Even right now, this next season, or maybe in eternity, when I breathe my last breath and I stand face to face before Jesus. Like, here's my definition, made-up definition, um, or maybe I just remember it from something, and I'm totally ripping somebody off, so, but I don't remember it. Vision is a clear picture of a better future. The vision is, here is the what for the future. And, and come on, this is so important. Like, there's certain days, how real do we want to get? With my kids, where if I didn't have a vision that this season is not going to last, I don't know if I'd make it through. Like, I have a dream with my kids that one day they're not going to eat all my food. I have a dream that one day I'm not gonna have to change their diapers anymore. One day I'm gonna, I have a dream that I'm not gonna have to referee fights any longer and it's not gonna be loud constantly and they're not gonna interrupt every show or book I try to, like I have a dream that one day they're gonna grow up and they're gonna leave my house and we will be free, free at last. Like that's my, I have a dream with my kids, right? And there's certain days where like, that's the only thing I got to and I love my kids to get me through the day. Like vision is important for real though. And when we, when we started Centerpoint as a, real, a replant, the, the vision that God began to clarify in our mind was to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. Because a lot of the usual that people experienced wasn't good usual. And they had walked away, and in walking away from the church, they'd walked away from Jesus. And and we love the local church, and we love what God's doing all over the globe. And by the way, Jesus is not coming up with a plan B. His church is the bride of Christ, and it's going to be his vehicle for the world knowing about Him until He comes back. We're all about the church. We're all about the local church. But in every generation, you see this historically and biblically that for the church to really embrace what Jesus has has said, it should be the vision that He has for it. In many cases, in many generations, it's a little countercultural. It's a little bit unusual and God began to clarify, not perfectly, but to the best that we could that God had something for us in our city, our community, and maybe beyond to create an alternative that was an alternative to church as usual for a lot of people who had walked away or just become disinterested or maybe honestly bored with what they saw when the local church is a movement that should capture the imagination of people because it's the body of Christ. Like, this is the closest thing we're gonna get to being with Jesus until we are physically with Jesus when the church gathers together. But, but here's the thing. We knew that to accomplish our why, which is your mission, our what was gonna be a little bit unusual, but our why was this. This was our mission, Our mission was to tear away every unnecessary barrier to people finding life and finding freedom in Jesus. But if we were really to do that, if we're really to do that, if we really get aggressive about that as a church, I'm just telling you, it looks countercultural if you look at the New Testament. It looks a little bit unusual. There's always been a remnant in every generation. It's not the norm. And I just wanna tell you, this is the message of Jesus. Jesus came to tear away every unnecessary barrier. He came onto planet earth and basically through his death on the cross and walking out of a grave alive, he removed every barrier to you having a relationship with him other than your decision to just go, yes, Jesus. And that's exactly what the local church should do. That listen, we're gonna remove every obstacle possible to just go, listen, we want you to say yes to Jesus. But that usually looks a little unusual and a little bit different. Here's why, and we've said this from the beginning, if I could just preach for a second. I might use notes, I may just totally go off notes. Vision Sunday's always a wild card and I'll try to end on time. But here, here's the deal. This is why when we talk about that this should be the, the safest place in the world for anybody struggling with anything, The reason that that should be a mission that we try to go after is because we should never put up a barrier that forces people into hypocrisy and hiding to where they are concealing stuff their entire life, putting stick figures on the back of their vans and carrying big Bibles and lifting their hands in worship, but there's no freedom because they don't feel like it's a place where they really can struggle with anything because we put up a barrier that says you gotta look the part and look successful and look healthy rather than being healthy. but Jesus is inviting you into life and freedom. And we should remove every barrier to people experiencing that freedom. (laughs) It's why it should be welcoming and accessible to every type of person imaginable. Republican and Democrats and third party and whatever else you want to throw in there and white and black and gay and straight and transgender, and I don't know what I believe, and I'm not sure that Jesus would ever love me, PhD, G.E.D. because we should never put up a barrier that communicates people, when you change, you can join us, because Jesus' invitation was, I want you to follow me and join me before you even know what you believe, because if you encounter me, I can change your heart long before you ever change your behavior, and I'm not gonna put up a barrier that says change and then join, because Jesus' invitation is, I want you to join, I want you to follow, because if you do, I may change everything everything about your life and about your eternity and if we are the body of Christ we should remove every barrier to people experiencing that and look, come on we should never let go of truth we should never let go of the truth of the scriptures no matter how unpopular it is the truth of Jesus because we should never put up a barrier that keeps people from experiencing the only truth that can change their life. Because Jesus said, I am grace and I am truth. And I'll bring both the full measure and I'll change your life. And come on, we should never let go of the one thing Jesus said this movement should be about. Jesus is like, if you forget everything else, because you're going to forget everything else. I want you to love other people the way that I have loved you. And I want this to be the mission of the local church. It is It is easy to understand, it is really hard to do, and we should never put up a barrier that leads people to religious pharisaical behavioral modification and looking the part rather than actually encountering the love of Jesus right where they're at, the love that has the power to bring life, bring freedom, change them from the inside out in a way that they will never be the same again. And that's the only thing we got as a local church. And come on, when the church does that, the church is the hope of the world of families, of cities, of neighborhoods. The church, I believe, imperfectly, but Jesus is such a skilled architect. He can take imperfect people and create city-shaping movements. God does something through that that can change everything. And so our mission was, we wanna lead people to life and freedom in Jesus, but if we do that, our vision, the what it's gonna look like, it's gonna look a little different. We're gonna to have to be willing to be an alternative to church as usual to engage our culture, I believe, the way God has called us to. And I just want to say this before I move on, and I'm going to go through a couple of things and try to be done as quick as I can. I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you to all of the people who are sacrificing and serving and praying and doing things that nobody else even knows about a lot of times because they don't just golf clap this and go, this is a great thing. They are so invested that God is using them in an extraordinary way to do what He's doing through Center Point. Let me just give you a couple of things real quick. Yeah, you can clap for that. That, that over this um, last year, or, or going back to last year, our adult um, growth was over 60%. As you guys have invited, as you've invested, have you drawn here? i want to give you a couple more. Our student ministry grew by 100% growth. And we saw so many students come to know faith and trust in Christ. This is the one, honestly, I think is the biggest deal. And this isn't even over a year period. This is from January to now, we've seen 100% growth in our community groups, pushing nearly 40 groups of people going, I want to not just show up and sit in a row. I want to engage life on life. This is an extension of community. Um, I think it's maybe the most important thing happening here. Many of you are a part of launching this campus right here just last April to be able to free up space at optimal times, and it wasn't comfortable for you, and you've got to watch on simulcast sometimes, and that's not your favorite thing, and I'm just telling you, God is doing an incredible thing through you because you are willing to step out and be uncomfortable. Um, unfiltered radio that we don't talk about a lot, 18 to 34 is a massive demographic of that. Skeptics and cynics are a massive demographic. You would never guess that. I would never guess that. They can listen and podcast, and nobody has to know about it. And literally, it is growing month by month, no exaggeration, where every week, because of what you're doing, I may be the voice of it, but it's what, what is happening out of Center Point Church. Tens of thousands of people are hearing the gospel every single week, not just weeknights on radio, but through growing podcasts that's going all over the place from handwritten letters, from jail cells to other places you would never imagine. And with your giving, your generosity, your praying, you're making that happen. And it is incredible what God's doing with the gospel. The launch of our leadership institute, we have 25 that's gonna run every fall and spring of people hungry to just, I wanna grow in leadership as part of the local church. Our starting point, because we wanted to provide a place for brand new followers of Jesus or people who've been away for a while to go, listen, here's how you can begin a journey with Jesus. Here's what it looks like. Here's how you can learn what the scripture says. And then our next steps that we started running and then revamped. We had just over a three week period last month, nearly 50 people, um, mostly brand new to center point, to go through that one part session to go, I wanna serve, I wanna be a part of this movement, I don't wanna just be a consumer, I wanna be a contributor. And so at every level, God is working through an incredible way and the stories of life change are honestly unbelievable and you guys are doing that. So one more time, I want you to give you a hand for how you're moving and working and what God is doing through you. So I say all of that to say this, that means nothing. That means nothing If we start to lose sight of or we get comfortable with the mission that God and the vision that God placed on our heart from the very beginning, because a lot of you, you've been places or you've worked places where there's a cool mission or vision on the wall and nothing practically lines up with that. You know what I'm talking about? The literally vision has to be carried into culture. Whatever that is, vision has to be carried into your cultural values, what you actually do, how you actually act, how you actually think, what you actually um, like embrace and live out. And so I, I want to just for a few minutes talk about, okay, if we're going to continue to be what God has called us to be and move forward as a church, this is what we actually have to do. An alternative to church as usual for all people is great, but you got to do some stuff to create the environment for what the Spirit of God wants to do. Vision has to be carried. So I just wanna give you real quick our core values, which are this is what, we don't want to be a thing on the wall. This is what we want people to carry, what we want people to do, how we want people to act. And if we do, I think God continues to do something incredible. And I think God maybe do some things immeasurably more than we've ever even experienced through our run so far as a church. And so here's from the very beginning, the church that we imagine. First thing is we imagine a church where Jesus is the lead story. And so I just wanna challenge you with this. That's great for that to be the goal of our church, that every message that's preached, every coffee that's handed out, every trunk or treat event, everybody who's a parks, a car, we got one thing and that's Jesus and that's all we've got. John 14, six, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I know that's narrow. That's the only barrier you can't move out of the way. Sometimes Jesus is offensive, but Jesus is also the only one who can ultimately lead us to forgiveness and reconciliation and redemption. And we gotta be all about him. And my challenge to you is, is Jesus the lead story of your life? Because for God to do a move through a local church, there's got to be a bunch of people individually who don't just show up and try to be entertained and sing some songs that they love and go download Hillsong Worship and then go about their business Monday through Saturday. There needs to be people saturated with the reality of we want to make relationship with Jesus the most important thing about our life. And there's some of us, man, that we have followed Jesus for a long time. And there ain't a whole lot different about our life. And Jesus is inviting you in, and it's okay to not be okay, but come on. There is the power of the Spirit of God when you place your faith and trust in Christ, and he's inviting you in as you are, but he also has enough firepower to change you and to redeem you and move you to a place of health in every area of your life, but the ball is in your core. You draw near unto God, he will draw near unto you. And for some of you, there's power available to change your life in ways you can't even imagine. But you've got to do the hard work of making Jesus the most important thing about you. Get into a group, download the app and just start 101 to to get the app notes from each message to go, Jesus, I want to spend five minutes with you every day. I want to begin to learn how to pray. I'm going to go through starting point if all of this is brand new, because I just want to learn. But it's not rocket science, but you got to take a step. And come on, some of you, you know so much knowledge. Listen, I know I get the criticism sometimes that people wanna go deeper, and I understand that. But usually deeper, the actual definition of is over somebody's head. I have no interest in being deep. I have all the interest in the world of being clear to go, this is who Jesus is. Here's how you walk out and actually know what to do with it. And the deepest thing in the world is love God and love other people. And if you do that, it'll change the world, it'll change your life. That's all the deep you need. We have to to make Jesus the most important thing about our life. And come on, if you just did that, we could stop right there, and Jesus would create a movement through our church that you'd be telling your grandkids about. And listen, when Jesus is the lead, we imagine a church where we create a culture of extravagant worship and bold prayer. I think sometimes like we just get lost and really Really being moved by what Jesus has done for us, and it becomes so mundane and honestly so familiar. And come on, Justin said already, worship is life. Worship is every area. Worship is your family. It's loving your wife. It's being a neighbor. It's, it's getting the order right at the drive-thru I keep going through, and my order is just a suggestion. I would love for them to, I'd love for them to step up their game. Like, worship is everything, Right? But, but worship is also as we corporately gather as a church and there's something powerful where the scripture says the spirit of God shows up in a unique way there that he doesn't anywhere else. You should, you should go take a look at that. Where we should just be moved sometimes, I think emotionally about what Jesus has done. And I know your personality is different, and that's legit. And all of us worship. Some of us are introspective. I understand that. But I'm just telling you, I think if we grabbed a hold of how undeserving of God's grace we are, I think there's moments where extravagant worship, as we come together, it would define our church a little bit more. That literally, the best definition I've heard that when we, we sing and we worship in that way, literally, we're giving God our breath back. It's all His. Everything we got is his, our salvation is his, and I know your personality, but you do a lot of things where, like, there, there's some emotion that comes with, with realizing that something's significant, even down to the sports team that you follow, where generally you're not like, I mean, most sports fans like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> the fact that they won that is incredible. Like, there's some emotion behind it, right? And I just think like as we understand that God's gonna begin to do something and I'm telling you, it's powerful as people show up and they go, I don't know if I believe what you believe. I don't know if I understand all this. I have a ton of questions and this whole thing is weird. I don't understand mass karaoke. That doesn't happen in culture any longer. I don't get people who cry when they sing and lift their hands, but there is something about these people that even though I don't believe it, they believe it. And there's something different about their life. And I just think that we're so worried about everybody else around us that there is an abandonment that comes with Jesus. I can't believe that you kept putting breath in my lungs and you've given me a destiny and a will and you saved me and you've redeemed me. And some moments I'm just overwhelmed, even when things are dark, that one day it's gonna be better and I'm gonna be with you. And I can't help but get a little bit excited about that. And it bleeds over into my worship. And then I start to pray kind of bold because I realize that God, of the universe sits on his throne and the God who spoke the galaxies into existence and tells nature what to do and nature obeys and raises dead people with the word is the same God that we can talk to in an instant and he can shift the landscape of the world he can heal a child, he can take away cancer, he can reconcile a marriage and so I'm going to pray and I'm going to worship like I believe that I think we imagine a church that is abandoned to that reality. And and we imagine a church that reflects the creative nature of Jesus, which may be a a weird core value that we need to live out, but it's so huge because here's the reality in Scripture. You're going to worship Jesus one way or the other. It's better to do it willingly. And God's given you something that he wants to use. And, and I mean, this is a whole message, but how many of you know this, that, that all great art and great entertainment and great music and Uh, Truth and science and psychology and imagination and creativity, all of that originates from God. And even when you don't mean to worship him, Jay-Z worships him sometimes. Because all of that, when there's truth in it, it comes from God. I mean, even this weekend, Kanye's dropping a worship album. My point is, I think... That got a clap, okay. Um, I think... I think the church, when it's on mission, starts to become the, the most creative force in a community and neighborhood. Like, because we realize that God has given us something that maybe in the past we deemed unspiritual and it's all spiritual. And if there's truth in it, God's gonna use it to worship and glorify him because he gave it to you. And I just, like, I just wanna say this, I'm gonna brag on them for a second, that week after week in two different campuses, what you experience in terms of these people who lead you in worship is not normal like what the 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 level of leadership and what the the gifts and the talents that God has given these guys it is not normal, and they 've decided i 'm going to use what god 's given me because I realize that creativity is from God and i 'm going to use it for God I mean just give you an example like. Um, Aaron David, who's not leading one of our campuses today, if you listen to Joy FM, he's top four, I think, in this contest they're doing. It seems like every afternoon he's on the radio. I don't know if that's true, but like he's using what God's given him. But then we also have Jared Davis, who's our worship coordinator over both campuses, touring with the Almost in January. And there's no Christian label on that, but there's a lot of worship of Jesus in that and being light and salt in culture. And I'm just telling you, God's given you some things right now. There's some things in your hand And you gotta ask the question of what you're doing with those, but I'll tell you what their purpose is. It's to glorify the risen savior through the local church. And if we all came together and we did that, God would do something through the local church to become a creative force in culture, not just a copycat in culture. So I just wanna ask you, what has God given you that you're not using? What leadership has God given you that you're not using? What, what have you deemed as unspiritual that God's going, that's the very gift that I've given you to make a spiritual impact through the local church. And we imagine a church and come on, we, we have got to get this right. And we're not gonna be perfect at it, but this, everything's got to move in this direction. We imagine a church where we are welcoming and accessible to every person imaginable, which I already mentioned, but like, this is the thing. Jesus showed up on the landscape, and he was so aggressive and countercultural in terms of tearing down all of the walls in culture and hanging out with the people that nobody thought he'd hang out with, and the religious leaders thought he was going to go into the temple and take his rightful seat with them. Instead, he walked in and turned over all their tables and introduced a new way to relate to God that they had never encountered before. And there's this example in the New Testament that I think can be a haunting picture for the, the, the local church where this guy Zacchaeus is up in a tree, and um, I'm not going to sing this, but he's in a tree. If you grew up in the church, you, you know the song. And um, he's there because like he's a thug in their culture. He is way outside the religious system. He's a traitor to the Jews, but he's interested in who Jesus is. he's forced up into a tree because he knows that nobody in that culture is going to accept him. Nobody in the religious establishment is going to accept him. And I think it's an indictment on our culture. A lot of times that we've got people that, that are marginalized on the outside. They've never, they're not a Jesus person as culture looks at them and they're figuratively in trees because they're interested in Jesus and they want to know more about Jesus but we've relegated them to being at a distance because they're not really sure, is it safe for me to come close and am I going to be accepted? And I think the church with everything that they do has got to start communicating to Zacchaeus, you do not have to figuratively hide in a tree. You need to come close. And our message is the same as Jesus' message. We're going to awkwardly invite ourselves over to your house. We're going to hang out with you. We want you to know that you are loved and no matter where you have been, Jesus has the power to change your heart before he changes your life and so we are letting go of the fear and control as a church and recognizing we don't have to fear inviting you in because Jesus is powerful enough that he can change everything about your heart so come on in come on last thing on this Jesus is brilliant like Jesus right before he's gonna be crucified is like, listen, again, if you forget everything else, I want you to love not the way that you think love should work, that's, that's easy. I want you to love the way that I have loved you because it's gonna be the most powerful thing on the planet and it's true. Your life and what has affected your life the most is divided up into two groups of people and I don't need to know you. Your experience with the local church and how it's impacted your life, it's divided up into two groups of churches. And you don't really remember in a lot of cases their theology or their style of worship or the color of their carpet or what they taught in children's ministry. But here's what you do remember. They either loved and accepted or they hurt and rejected. They either loved and accepted or they hurt and rejected. And listen, everybody who comes to be a part of our gathering, they're just initially asking one question. Not that there's another other important questions, but they're just asking one. Hey, listen, do you care for me? Like, I know you want to teach me about your theology and what you believe about Jesus and all your points of doctrine and you want to sell me on, on your style of worship, but I just really just want to know one question. Do you, do you care for me? And Jesus is going The local church, should be the most welcoming and accessible place on the planet. And come on, last thing, Galatians 5.16, this verse is not on the screen, but Paul might drop this. If you forget everything else, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Well, Paul, the only thing, shh, I wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, shut up. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And if you don't get that right, the rest of the things you do out of faith don't mean anything. We imagine a church that's welcoming, accessible to everybody. And come on, because this isn't the usual, why some of you left. We imagine a church where we are real in our relationship with Jesus and with one another, Like so many of us are detoxing because we sat in some kind of worship environment for years hiding and feeling like we couldn't do anything but hide. My wife and I got to know a girl over this last year that we got to know really well. She was about 18 years old and she was struggling. Um, honestly, with her sexual identity and with a lot of stuff related to that. And she had been kicked out of her former church. And so we began to just um, talk with her. She would come over to the house and have coffee with my wife. And um, I remember a few months ago, we've been just kind of journeying with her this whole process. And it's been hard at times and we've spoken truth at times and we've gone to the scripture to go, I I believe this is what Jesus says, but also we know that you you wanna follow Jesus and you're struggling with this. And so let us help you through the struggle. And so we would have these conversations a few months ago, we the last conversation we had, she was sitting down and just going through all the doubts and the struggle and I just, I, I can't seem to get past this. And she, at the end of the conversation said, you know what? The thing that blows me away, her words, is I can't believe that I can actually ask these questions. And I simultaneously was heartbroken and had an angst to go, if you can't, what is the local church here for? Like, why are we here? Because if you can't be honest, you got no way forward. If you can't be honest, there's, there's nothing that God can do. Listen, God wants to change you, but he is not gonna heal what you can't acknowledge. In a lot of cases, we put up barriers to move people into a place where they're not acknowledging the very thing that Jesus wants to heal. Why couldn't this be a place to go, listen, I'm just struggling with Porn. And I'm not gonna tell everybody, but I'm gonna tell somebody. My marriage is hanging on by a thread. I'm not sure if I believe anymore. I've got some huge questions that a freshman English teacher brought to my attention and I'm just scared of losing my faith. Why wouldn't this be the epicenter and the safest place in the world to go? We're gonna be real with Jesus because when you get it out into the light, what you put into the light is an invitation for Jesus to heal it and for Jesus to lead you. And we need to be the kind of church that we don't just affirm that with a head nod and a wave. We need to invite other people in to go, let me tell you about what I'm struggling with or what I did struggle with and let you know that this is the place to be real with me and with Jesus because that's the kind of environment we're creating. It's the only way you're gonna find freedom. And we imagine a church where we are irrationally generous because God was irrationally generous. God so loved the world that he what? And he gave his what? What? Like, listen, we sing about reckless love, that's a perfect definition of God's love. When we talk about irrational generosity, that's a perfect definition of how irrational God was in terms of extending his grace and his love. Let me break it down for you this way. You were a bad investment. I was a bad investment because we're never gonna be able to pay it back. We're never gonna be able to give it back. And God came anyway. God died anyway. God gave up his son anyway, knowing that a lot of us would reject him and we'd never even receive it. It is the definition of irrational. And I just say all that to say this, if God's gonna create a movement through our church, It's going to be because people are devoted to the mission and vision at the level where they are most vulnerable, and that's the level of their money. Not because God needs their money, not because God needs your money, not because God's waiting to build the local church when he bankrolls everything. God's after your heart. And the scripture says, where you follow the money trail is where you will find your heart and where you find your heart, you're going to find your devotion. And here's what God knows, that giving and generosity is a recipe for revival. Because when I have hundreds of people where I really have their heart and their devotion, I have something where I can ignite a movement unlike anything else, because it's easy to head nod, it's easy to give a little time, it's easy to golf clap it. When you start to give away the perceived source of your security, that's, says something about your heart and your devotion to God. But I'm telling you, God was irrationally generous to us. We need to be irrationally generous toward this movement, reaching people in our city, building children's environments, planting campuses, giving away to partners and going, we really do want something for you and not from you because we're the body of Christ and Jesus was generous to us. We're going to be generous to you. And I think if we're going to be an alternative, like it, There's gotta be something that happens there because it's powerful. Last thing I'm gonna say on this, it's hard to hate somebody who's generous toward you. And I think if the church just got this right, the face and the reputation of the church in our communities would change. Because it really is a, listen, we're not asking you to give a thing. We just want you to meet Jesus. And we imagine a church where we use language that inspires and shapes the future. Like when Jesus incarnate God at the very beginning of time, he spoke all the world into existence. However scientifically you work all that out, I, I'm not, that's not my, my point today, but like he spoke everything into existence. Meaning that God's words have power and now the Imago Day, you're made in the image of God. It means to a lesser degree and scale, your words have extraordinary power because of who your dad is. that, that, That like your dad, your words have the power to shape and cultivate and literally direct the future. And I think the church needs to start paying attention to how our words inspire and shape the future rather than talking about all the things that we're against, downgrading the next generation and all the things that we think they lack, not speaking well of other churches. like I think it's time speaking well of women and empowering them for leadership and gifting in the local church. Like I just think it's time. And I think it's time that we realize the power that our words have. I want to share one story with you Uh, from a girl that um, has attended our church over this last year. We got to know her through an internship, and after a message on healing community, she wrote this, and I thought this was so powerful. She said, prior to coming to CC, I never felt like I was a part of the church. I was This breaks my heart. I was looked over. I wasn't spoken to. I was spoken over because, in many cases, women are marginalized in the church. That's another conversation. I just didn't feel welcomed, but after being involved in CC, I feel as if my faith in God has grown stronger because of the people that I've met and connected with in community here, and then this is the part that legitimately keeps me up at night because I hear these all the time, and this is just humanly speaking. I get God can do whatever he wants, but humanly speaking, she said, if I hadn't come to CC, I probably would have left the church and never returned, and the problem is she's in an age range right now where a whole group of people that are in that area of and season of life, they've already left the church. They're not leaving. They left. They already checked out. And what power do we have in community to go, listen, we're, we're going to begin, even when we have to say hard stuff, to quote Paul, we're, it's going to be seasoned with salt. We're gonna recognize that literally God has put words of eternal life in us, that my words have the weight for some people to change the trajectory of your life because some of you positively or negatively, you're still living off of things that were said to you in about 30 seconds, 10 years ago. And the church, man, we need to get into community and we need to start speaking vision and purpose over people's lives, especially in a younger generation to go, I'm gonna see in you what maybe you don't see in yourself. And then we... We imagine a church, last one, that will stop at nothing to reach people who are far from Jesus. And are you still with me in this room? Because you're really, really quiet. Paul said it this way. i become all things to all people so that by all what? Wait, one more time. i become all things to all people so that by all possible means meaning I'm going to engage culture I might save some man how could we forget that that's the mandate of the local church and it's not it's not in conflict with discipleship and growing in faith it's the catalyst for that and come on we just so easily lose sight that eternity is forever and everybody's going to spend forever somewhere and that the truth of the scripture it's real And what Jesus invites us into and out of, it's real. And that literally lives in eternities hang in the balance. And and come on, what if it's your daughter? What if it's your son? What if it's your father? What if it's your grandparent? What, What if it's your neighbor struggling with mental illness and they don't know if there's any hope and they've never encountered Jesus? And it's not a promise that Jesus is gonna heal, but there is the promise that through Jesus, there's hope. Like, what, what if it's personal? And Paul's going, listen, we should do everything possible short of sin, all means possible, to save some. That is the mandate of the local church. We should give financially. We should pray as bold as we can. We should do crazy stuff in our neighborhood. We should talk to people we don't know. We, we should engage we should serve, we should do everything possible to get ourselves to the place where we understand and the need is fresh that there are people who need Jesus. And generally a relationship with Jesus begins with a relationship with one of his followers. And we have been placed in our city, our neighborhood, and you're in your apartment and you work where you work for a purpose in this generation by the sovereign plan of God so that we, by God's grace, might save some and they would come to know that there is freedom, there is forgiveness, there is reconciliation and it's only found in Jesus we'd be willing to give up any comfort we'd be willing to watch messages on simulcast without even complaining some weeks like we'd be willing to go serve and sit in circles with kids and you're not going to get a lot of recognition but you know you're anchoring the gospel in their heart and those may be the moments that are going to change everything about the next 30 years of their life and I'm trying to save some and I'm gonna invest in people's kids and in, in single parent homes where there's no dad because the church has something to say in that space because we serve a God who's the father to the fatherless and, and we're the body of Christ. And there's people that are hanging on by a thread in a culture where the average 15 year old has the same anxiety that put people in as a psychiatric patient in the 1950s. And they're struggling with mental illness in a culture where they sit in a church and the person beside them doesn't think it's a real thing. And all the while they're dying on the inside. And there's people that think they're too far gone and they're never gonna experience any life beyond what they've done and the decisions they've made. And Jesus is going, I'm inviting you in to life. But my means for people to know that message is you. It's a local church. And I'm gonna say this one more time. And I've said this for a number of years and it's a little in your face and it's gonna offend some people. But but listen, this whole idea of like, I I don't even, I don't want to, it to get too big or it starts to get too uncomfortable and you know we start to get a thousand people and there's lots of people I don't know and I just I like to stay where it's at and and I hear this all the time I just like a small church don't accidentally create a theology or a mindset that inadvertently communicates to your neighbors that they can go to hell don't do that I'm good good luck hope you find a place but we're kind of done, we're maxed out. Rather than, no, no, I'm gonna get as uncomfortable as I need and I'm gonna get my vision back and I'm gonna realize that there are people's lives that hang in the balance and I'm gonna invest in the local church and I'm gonna invest in my neighbors and I'm gonna give whatever I need to give and I'm gonna pray that God would use us to create revival and that people would come to know Jesus as their personal savior. And I believe at the end of your life, it's the thing that's gonna matter most. So I want to encourage you with this one thing and we're going to be done. And here's the unlikely connection. I just wanted to give you one thing today and I want to hopefully draw the connection for you. But I think this is one of the things that helps us carry the rest of this vision and stokes the fire that if we do this, a lot of what I just talked about just kind of falls in line. I want to encourage you what we've encouraged you to do at the very beginning of our church and that is to invest and to invite. And here's why that's a big deal. Not because you need to drive more people to church just for the sake of driving people to church. I'll tell you why this is a big deal and people misunderstand this. Because when you invest in people, you start to feel what they feel. And when you invest in people, you start to see what they see. And when you invest in people, you start to empathize with their struggles. And when you invest in people, you start to get emotional about where they're at when previously you didn't care. And when you invest in people, you start to see everything through their their eyes. And guess what? I think we as a church need, and you need more than anything else. You need to constantly be in invest, investing in people and then inviting them into the local church so that you start to develop an angst to where this isn't just something we talk about and everybody claps and we go home and like, that's great, I want a church like that. You get to sit in a row with some people who's struggling They're not like anybody in the room, at least in terms of how they think. They've got so much baggage and you start to see through their eyes to go, man, is this welcoming and accessible to them? Am I willing to be generous for them? Like, is Jesus the lead story of my life so that I can lead them? Like, am I willing to do whatever it takes to save them? And I'm telling you, I can talk about this all day long. Until you engage, you will never feel what I feel and what so many others feel. Because the thing that stokes a fire is faces and names and people who've sat in living rooms and you've watched them struggle. And you know, without Jesus, they got nothing. And it drives you to create a local church that's going to reach them. And I'll offend anybody necessary and I'll be as radical as I need to be. And in some cases, sacrifice anything that I need to sacrifice because you understand what hangs in the balance. And when it's personal to you, you'll do anything. And so this next year, I want you to invest in a vite. My prayer for our church is that we would have so much uncomfortable, like you sitting down right next to the person that previously has made you so uncomfortable. They sin in the ways that is most unlike you. They're the group that you've marginalized on Facebook and God sovereignly just leads you to sit right next to them. And you begin to develop a heart for people that you've never had a heart for before. And so I just wanna encourage you, who is it that God's placed in your life? Who are you investing, inviting in? And here's the invitation, come sit with me. Not not some general, like, hey, we have a church and there's an app and a website and you should check it out sometime. Like, no, no, it's personal. I would love for you to come. I'm going to the 9 a.m. I'm gonna grab coffee. I'm actually, uh, by a miracle of Jesus, I might even be on time. I'd love to meet you there. And I'd love for you to sit with me. And here's not original to us, but the, here's the three knots even to listen to among people that you start to invest in, but maybe you don't know that well. But the three knots are not in church, not going well, not premier. Hey, I'm, I'm not in church. We just moved to the. Hey, I, like I, I think you might like it. Maybe different than what you think. You should come check it out. Come sit with me. Things are not going well. I, the other day, a lady was cutting my hair, and I did the just the thing that you normally do. Like, hey, how's your day going? She's like, oh, it's, it's terrible. And this is just me being really real. I was like, oh, crap. I didn't want to actually, like, I was asking because that's what I needed to do. I didn't want to actually know how you were doing. I'd, I'd rather you just lie to me. That's, like, actually what I felt. And so I had to talk to her, like I should have planned to do anyway. But I had to talk to her. And it just led to a point in the conversation to go, listen, I, I don't, I, I this this sucks. I'm not saying that this is the whole answer, but like you, you should come check out our church. You come sit. You can't sit with me always because um, I'm the pastor. Usually I don't, I try to not give that information out. I just try to shock them when they show up. It's like, hey. Um, but you can come sit with my wife and, and listen, there's a lot of people who are walking through exactly what you're walking through. Things aren't going well. I'm gonna give you an invite. I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared for this first child. I'm not prepared to start college. Hey, listen, you should just come. There's a lot of people in that phase of life. I'm not saying it's gonna solve everything, but I'm just saying, like, it might surprise you. I'm just saying, let's engage with the people around us. And I'm gonna end with this. Well, you think the church is the answer for everything? No, I don't, but I think Jesus is. And I think the church is Jesus' vehicle to get the message out when it is on mission. And Adrian Rogers one time said this on a plane. He turned to this guy and he's like, why are you reading that Bible? And he's like, because I believe that Jesus is the answer to sin and death and sorrow. And the guy turned away, and he, he tried to, to think for a while, because Adrian is like, every question in his life is answered, or every problem is within those three categories. And the guy comes back an hour later, he's like, you're right, I can't think of any problem that does not fit into one of those three categories. And the message and the hope of Jesus is, he is the answer for sin and sorrow and death. There is no problem that you have encountered that is not answered in Jesus. And one day, he's coming back as a king, one day he's coming back to take his place on his throne. One day, even if the rest of your life is hell, he really is going to give you a new body and wipe away every tear. And eventually that relationship will be reconciled. Eventually God will make it right. Eventually God will fulfill the dream. Eventually there will be no need for hope and faith. There'll just be love because hope and faith will be realized in the presence of Jesus. And no matter where you are right now, no matter how bad it is, our hope is not that everything is going to be great. The hope is I have a vision that it's going to be better. And even when I walk through the death and the suicide of my brother-in-law or I watch people struggle or I watch my mom pass away the day after my baby is born or I'm involved in seeing my 27-year-old brother at 17 die and go to Jesus, that is not the essence and the epicenter of my ability to keep walking forward and keep having faith. The epicenter of my hope, the epicenter of my faith is Jesus is enough. He's the answer to all of those problems. And it may suck right now, but the best is yet to come. And Jesus has given a vision for a future of a new heaven, a new earth. Everything is gonna be restored and you're gonna be in his presence for eternity. And that should cause you to get a little bit excited. So would you stand with me as we end? I just wanna encourage us with this. Like grab this invite on your chairs as I start a brand new series next week. And 30 seconds of courage. Who's God, not just... Not just prompting you to invite. Who's God calling you to invest in? Three three doors down, and you haven't wanted to talk to him. But love demands that you step out of that and you go talk to him anyway. And come on, it's the last thing I'm going to be done. We have every reason to take this serious. Jesus on a dusty hillside. It was probably 96 degrees. A bunch of people with no leverage, no influence, no money. And Jesus said, "Out of you guys." and then subsequent generations of busted up people, when they put me at the center, I'm gonna create a movement through them. And it's gonna change the world and it's gonna change communities. It's gonna bring together socioeconomic statuses and be multicultural, multi-generational to the world. And nothing is going to be able to stop it when you put Jesus at the center, not even the very gates of hell. Let's be an unstoppable church. That even if the enemy wanted to silence it, he can't. Not because we are depending and leaning in ourselves, but we are leaning in the resurrected power of Jesus to go. We're making this all about you. We're not even making this about center point. We're certainly not making this about us. We wanna see people redeemed and reconciled and find life and freedom in you. And we will do anything. To see that happen in our generation. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I pray that you would just allow this to land where it needs to land in our hearts and our lives. I pray that you would remind us again why we're here and what you've called us to for the future. And Lord, I pray that you would give us, Lord, the strength that we need to do exactly what you're calling us to do in these moments. For those of us who don't know you, I pray that they would know, Lord, in this moment, they're not a project. They're not somebody that, that we're trying to convert, that they are a son and a daughter of God. They're made in your image. And Lord, we wanna see them find the hope that we believe that only you offer. And so do your thing even right now in this room via podcast, via radio. And God, challenge and move us as a church to experience what you want us to experience, revival in this segment of time in our city and in our neighborhood and maybe beyond. We pray this in the incredible name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.